Hello there. Welcome to the show Out East, where we have real conversations with real people. My name is Tayo, T-A-Y-O, and I'll be your host for the remainder of the show. Remember that new episodes will be live on all streaming platforms every single week. That's right. We go live every single week. You can follow us on all social platforms as well, like YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. All the links will be in the description of this episode. See you. Another question that I got was, how is the government handling COVID and what measures are they putting in place to make sure that, you know, the situation is okay here? In China, there's something, it's called the three-piece approach. It's called the three-piece approach. I'm going to try to break that down. One is wear a mask. Um, second is social distancing. And third is the health code. Now, well, obviously wearing a mask, it's, it's mandatory here, right? If you want to get on the bus... If you want to ride the subway, if you want to go into a supermarket or public place, if you want to use a public facility, even some private, even some private ones, you have to wear a mask. You have to wear a mask because there's already evidence that it actually helps in the prevention of the spread of COVID. You know what? Even before COVID, you know that in Japan, wearing a mask is a it's a norm. So when the whole idea of wearing masks for COVID came, it, you know, they were already in front of that curve. It's just basic sanitary measures, wearing a mask. So in China, you have to wear a mask. You have to. You have to. As soon as you get to the subway entrance, you know, they check your code to make sure that your code is green. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the code shortly, but... They check the code. And then before you go past, if you're not wearing a mask, the guards will tell you right there, oh, please, kindly put on your mask before you proceed, you know? So wearing the mask. The second is social distancing. I think that at this point, <laughs> I don't think that um, a lot of people social distance as much as when COVID first started, I think social distancing now, um, it's been relaxed. It's been relaxed. Occasionally, occasionally, you would find people, uh, you would find people, you know, staying apart or things like that. But in most cases, in most cases, I think everyone, people have started going back to to their regular lives. And this is this is precedent on the fact that we've gone through strict lockdown measures in the past, right? Wearing a mask was like super mandatory. Like you couldn't go outside without a mask. You know? So we've we've paid the price. 
to be able to do that now where we can go out and, you know, you can play basketball, you can play football, you can go to the shop. We can, you can, yeah, go to a mall and everything. I'm actually planning on going to watch a movie um, in a few days. The, the Godzilla versus King Kong. <laughs> no spoilers. Don't give me spoilers. But yeah, we, we've paid the price for that. And lastly is the health code. Now, some, there's someone asked me um, when I put that answer out on Twitter. He said, oh, what exactly is that? So think of it as every, everyone has a phone number. Everyone has a phone number. Your phone number is registered to a network. Now, the network, obviously, telecommunication services, uses the GPS on your phone. So at the point in time, it's able to, you know, transcode your data and then know where you've been and, and things like that. It uses your location data. Now, the way the health code works is whatever place that you are in, by default, it should be green if you're okay. If there's been no case of COVID infection, you're green. So if you stay within an area that's green, your code is green, right? But if you've been outside to a place where, let's say, the code is yellow, which is the medium alert, so there are three colors. There's green, which shows that it's a you, you know, you or you're okay, and you've only been to a low slash zero risk area. So there's really not zero, there's no zero classification as far as I know. So we have low risk areas, medium risk areas, and high risk areas. So low risk areas, you're green. The medium risk areas, you're yellow, and the high risk areas, obviously, it's red. If you've been to a place um, that's, that's been yellow in the space of 14 days, right? Your code changes from green to yellow. And under the code, you have the section where it actually states where that place you've been to, right? States that. It's, it's the code, the health code and temperature checks. They check your temperatures. That, that's actually the third one. It's the, the health code and the temperature checks. So as soon as you scan the code, it shows where you've been. Now, if you've been to any of these areas, your code changes according to that place that you've been to, according to the color code of that area. So those are the three ways that the government has been able to manage, you know, and a lot of things, you know, that are sidebars, but on the grand scale of things, those three ways that's how China has dealt with COVID. And that's how we've been able to get to a point where people can go out and do whatever they want to do. Finally, the, the last question was one that, um, that I got. And, and the person said, how do you handle racism? So this, this question is, this, this question is, um, it's an interesting one. Because this is a problem in China. It's an ongoing problem. And people, a whole more institutions are trying to shed more light on this and actively do things about it. But I'll, I'll tell you one thing. In my way, the first thing is that I always 
remind myself that I'm in control of how I feel. And I'm not going to give that power to someone else. I'm not going to let someone get me all riled up and, you know, to a point where um, I feel very negative. Now, this is not to say that I'm undermining the problem or racism is just something that you can deal with by, you know, by, by reassuring yourself. No, like I said before, it is a real problem in China. But in my context, understanding the, the metrics and the scale of how these things are, what can I do in that situation? What is the most practical line of approach to dealing with this thing? And that's it. It's just, I, I, I remind myself that, look, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what this other person has been through that they're acting so nasty and, and terrible. But I am in charge of how I feel. I'm not going to give you that power. I'm not going to give you that satisfaction. People, people, who, people who thrive on things like this, they expect a certain behavior from you. They expect you to act in a certain way. You know? They want a certain response from you. But if you don't give them, if you don't give them what they want, it takes away the power that they think they have. Um, you know, and it's just like, okay, I have a background in emotional intelligence. So my view on social interactions might differ from some people. Not everyone is going to be able to handle social interactions the way that I do. Racism in China is, it's a different, it's a different type. It's not the same as the racism in, let's say, the U.S. or Europe or whatever. Racism in China is very subtle. It's not confrontational if you may, it's just those kind of things they do. Oh, behind your back, people take photos of you. Some people laugh when they see you or you get on the subway and then people, you know, maybe change seats or something like that. So it's not confrontational. It's more of from, from a distance, which is why I'm able to cope with the way I do, because it's not, there's no physical harm at the time. It doesn't undermine the emotional trauma and stress and everything accompanied with that. But no one is coming to me and, and trying to mug me because I'm black or because I'm African. You know? So it's a different one from what you would see in other societies. It's subtle, it's indirect. I don't know if indirect is the right word. I don't know, I don't know. Because they do it to your face. You can see it. And I think that sometimes it's even worse if you can speak the language, if you can speak Chinese. It's worse because you can hear everything they're saying. You know, but at the same time, no one's going to come to you and 
you know, spit in your face or whatever. No, no, no one is going to do that. And that's why I say that it, it, it thrives off of how you feel. The racism in China thrives off of how you feel. Now, some people will argue and say that, oh, they don't know that they're being racist. And it's just sometimes it's just being, um, sometimes it's just being inquisitive, you know, oh my God, they've never seen a foreigner before. And now they're, you know, they're surprised. They're trying to, you know, just see. And, and, you know, okay. Okay. You've never seen a foreigner before that. That's cool. But it doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it okay. But to, to sort of wrap it up, it's a question of what's the difference between racism in China five years ago? Let, let's not even go too far, but five years ago and now, is there, is there a difference? Does it look like things are going to change anytime soon? I'd say yes, a very strong yes. You know? A lot of institutions now, like I said before, are starting to work um, on educating more people. I remember when I first came to China, there was not a lot of content um, that showed black people or that showed African people, that showed, that showed other countries, other cultures. But now you have so much content on WeChat. We have something now called WeChat channels. There's so much content, so much African content, you know? It's not going to be an instant change. I'm not going to, no, that's not going to happen. But we start by learning, right? Unlearn the things that you've learned before by relearning new things. Once they start to see that, oh, you know, there's more of black culture out there. There's another culture outside of China that represents these people. This is what they stand for. This is what they do. It sort of impacts how they relate with you because now it's not from a position of, oh my God, look at this person. He's so different. No, they, they've already seen that, you know? So I think that times are starting to change um, in terms of racism and social interactions between Chinese people and foreigners. And I think that it's going to get better. I think it's going to get better, you know? I think it's going to get better. I think that there's a lot of work going on to change the society. To change the society. Relative to where it was at five, ten years ago, right? It's better now. It's better now. It's better now. From the majority of questions that I got, those were mainly, you know, the three standout questions that, you know, I thought, okay, let's, let's really have a conversation about this because it felt like the vibe that I was getting, <laughs> shout out to Mr. Hint. He would say that it was a vibe ting, <laughs> but you know, it felt like the vibe that I was getting from this questions were, they were very much on the defensive. It felt like they were, they, they were trying to make up their mind already. You know, like when someone already thinks something of someone, but you're still asking the question just so you can confirm, 
your perceptions about this person. So those questions were sort of in that regard, like, oh, well, I already feel this way about China, but yeah, how do you, you know, the this, the that. And I, I mean, I would say that a lot of the, a lot of what's known um, in the West about China, especially for the past two years, the last American administration, it, it's not been good. It hasn't been good. Um, I cannot speak to the extent of the bias, but one thing that I know is that there is, there's a competition going on, right? There's a competition going on. So I think that in relation to China, um, it's best to sort of just really take time to understand the differences between what the actual situation is and what's been told, you know? I think at the end of the day, you still have to make up your mind on what you think about a certain nation or how it does its thing or whatever. But the truth is the truth, right? And when you listen to what a lot of people say about China in the West, um, and then you have a conversation with another person, let's say a foreigner or let's say other people who are in China, there's a very big contrast in terms of how the stories um, come out. There's a difference. At the end of the day, right? Still want to make up your mind, but um, I really hope that, you know, these conversations have been helpful in, in whatever way, right? Whether it's justifying what you already believe or whether it's opening your mind to a whole new perspective. What I am most particular about is that the world um, should be a better place. You know, we all are humans. We all are. Think of it as if an alien, if an alien ship lands on Earth today, right? And they... They want to interact with us. I don't think they would interact on the basis of race or the color of your skin. We're all humans. We're human. That's that. I mean, oh, this human, that's human. You know? And another interesting thing is, another interesting thing is, as a filmmaker, as a filmmaker, when we work in post-production, there's something called a vector scope. A vector scope is used to measure... Um, this number of colors in a scene and there's something called a skin tone line. Now the vector scope is designed as a mathematical function to be able to calculate colors and to represent them accurately. There's something called a skin tone line. Now, irrespective of your race or your ethnicity, everyone belongs on the skin tone line. Everyone which is an interesting fit, you know? So it means that AI robots just look at human beings and they see every, the same thing. Yeah, maybe different saturations, different, but we're the same color. Honestly, we are. Because your skin is on that skin tone line. So the most important thing is to remember that at the end of the day, we all are humans. 
And if we do not protect our humanity, if we don't, we will pay a price that is far greater than what we can possibly think of. Being human is all we have, and we have to protect that. We have to. So I want you to, you know, go out and be nice to someone. Just be nice. Smile. You know, wear a happy face. Just do something good for someone today. Actually, yes, that, that's what I want you to do after, you know, that's the, that's the next line of action. I want you to do something for someone today that you haven't done before. Someone you don't, you don't even have to know this person, right? You don't have to know them. Just a random act of kindness. A random act of kindness. Do something for someone today. And in, if we all just come together and just, you know, in our own way, just keep doing this tiny, tiny bits, our world will be the best version of what it can be. The best. The best version of what it can be. And that's all that matters, honestly. That's really all that matters. Nothing more. Nothing more. Once we have each other, we will survive. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. My name is Tayo, and I'll see you in the next one. Remember that you can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram. And you can check out all the links to all the social platforms will be in the description of this episode. So. I'll see you next time and remember that everything will be perfectly balanced.